I just imagine yeah. like in in the sitcom of of Tim's life, it's like this is gonna be a while. Yeah, and you come back forty five minutes later, just yeah, just hands dripping. Yeah, it's a clean wet. I assure you, but don't touch me. Yeah. Don't touch me, because then I'll have to wash my hands everybody to another episode of the motor mouth podcast the podcast where a lot of great ideas go absolutely nowhere my name is joel tyree and with me as always is my esteemed co-host the tim gerard hello hi tim hi <laughs> i laugh every time there's no reason to laugh i know it's coming you know it's coming the listener knows it's coming <laughs> um two topics enter and sanity leaves i have I have an inkling of what you've brought because <laughs> I was given homework in the last episode. <laughs> What'd you bring? Blow it away. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, so I brought Monty Python. Ooh. So two shows, wildly different in content, <laughs> influence, and literal time. Um, cool. Yeah, blow, blown away. Blown away, blow us away, Tim. Okay, so so yeah, so I think and you you originally suggested this show to me, right? That was that was you, I think. I think it might have been. I, yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah. Now that I'm I'm thinking back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know I know that like I know that I didn't tell you about it. It wasn't right. like I saw it first, but I, I I and I I was trying to think of who else it could have been. But I was, yeah, I was pretty sure it was you. Because um, I think we were talking about competition shows, and you're like, I don't really go in for those. So it's like, well, you need to yeah. watch Blown Away and Great British Bake Off. And then right, yeah. months later, you were like, you were so right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and and I think that was the thing too is like with with Great British Baking Show, which is uh, I'll give you a spoiler alert. It's going to have its own show at some point once I finish all the episodes so i don't want any spoilers i don't want to be talking about it and be like yeah well when so-and-so wins this season like no i didn't watch that one yet. see they um, for, I'm, I'm gonna give you a prequel or a preview for that discussion is like i don't remember any of the winners and i watch them pretty frequently like i i just remember like specific bakes and specific like heartbreaks from that show it's i love that show that show yeah. is like a warm blanket well and and What's funny is, it, well, you know, without getting too much into it, because that's not the topic for today, like, <laughs> the, the way it kind of came about is, you know, uh, Krista was watching it, and then I think you were telling me about it, and I was like, no, no, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> and then gradually, like, the more she watched it, and the more I caught, and the more I, well, you know, you might as well just finish this episode before we, you know, and it's like, so what's interesting is as we're going through it now, I'm starting to like recognize more, more people and more bakes because it's like, Oh, here's the point where I started watching an episode here or there. Right. Um, so that part of it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, and I can kind of, 
And I remember there was one season I predicted the two first two people who were going to leave because I was like, I do not recognize these two guys at all. They're, they're out of here. You know, like, like er everyone else, like I remember seeing on, you know, as she was watching it. So, um, but, but anyway, so yeah, so blown away. I think part of why I watched that too, is because it's like, um, yeah, I think it was a shorter season. It was only half hour episodes. Um, it's you know, one plus challenge like, per episode, which I had forgotten. Like, yeah, me too. Yeah, season two in the last week, I was like, "Damn, these are brisk." And I don't know that I could handle more than one challenge per episode. That's the thing. Like, it, it's yeah. It's can you imagine? So <laughs> stressful. <laughs> well, not only that, but like when you when you look at like with with Great British Baking Show, and it's like the two challenges on Saturday, one challenge on Sunday. Right. They like, have like can you a imagine weekend. that. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine that where it's like, okay, you did this, do it again. Okay, come back tomorrow and do it again, even better. Like, oh shit. Um, so so yeah, so like when I, I watched the you know season one, uh and 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 I dug it, but it was it was also kind of jarring to see because maybe by that point I had seen some great British baking show because I remember just realizing, like, oh, blown away is clearly an American show because everyone's <laughs> kind of an asshole. And not wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was sort of the thing where it was just like, you know, it was, it was even at that point, how little I had seen of, of great British baking show. I think that was one of the things you told me about it to try to sell it to me is like, it's competition, but everyone's so nice to each other. And, and, you know, you're absolutely right. Like anytime anyone goes home, like everyone's gutted. It's like, Oh man, we're going to miss that person. You know, as opposed to with this, where it's like, you know, okay, leave the studio. You know, like they, they like kick them out. You know, it's not yeah. even just like, you're not going to be here next, next week. It's like, you need to leave now, you know? Um, and I think like, yeah, I don't watch a lot of competition shows. I watch Lego Masters because it's Lego. Ooh. And I watched- Is it good? I haven't watched any of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really fun. I mean, Will Arnett's the host, so that's really okay. funny. Um, it is interesting too because I feel like maybe because I know a little bit more about Lego than than baking, you know, whenever <laughs> they kind of like will criticize someone, it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you know, and and I feel it's it's interesting too, because that's something I've seen on all shows where people the you know, the the judges will come out around and be like talking to people about stuff. And they'll give shit to one person about something and then they'll go to s someone else and they're doing kind of the same thing. And it's like, Oh, sounds great. Good luck. And it's like, what the fuck? Like you just said that this person was an idiot for doing that. Like, you know? Um, so yeah, so it's, so it was, and I think I'm glad it's only a half hour episode and I'm glad that it's, what is it like eight, 10 episodes a season? That's yeah, 10 episodes. Yeah. Because like it, it definitely gets me. And I don't know if this is part of the thing with the whole, like, you know working in with fire but it, it makes me angry like the whole time i'm watching it you know but it's like <laughs> but i guess it's a good angry because it's something that i don't really have to invest too much in mm -hmm. um and especially with this season and especially with the guy who is like the professor at fucking chris design i fucking oh hate chris God. i'm so sorry that his dad passed away and i'm sorry that his mom had passed away when he was little but yeah. the fucking the guy was supposed to make a cartoon character and he made a they fucking made pencil that bleeds and they sent the one man of color on that show off who actually listened to the brief 
Jason should not have left the show. I am very invested. I'm, I was so yeah. furious. And then the next episode, they, you have the reveal about like he started, the, like Chris started the show and he had lost his dad, which was really so- sad. But he was an asshole right. the whole time. So fucking arrogant. Yeah. And every every judge was like, oh, I taught him. I taught him. I taught him. It just, I have a lot of feelings about that. Yeah. Like it really pissed me off. And then he ended up, what, in, he was in the final three. Yeah. Like that, I, and I don't think that he produced nearly as interesting things as ever. I'm, I'm glad he didn't win. If he had won, I would have been really pissed off. Sorry. This is, yeah. <laughs> no, no, this is a, this is one of the main reasons I brought this to the, to the, to the, this topic of, cause I was just like, I need to talk to Joel about this because aside from Krista who watched it with me, like, I think you're the only person I know who watched about this. And I'm just like, I, I need, you know, I, I, yeah, this, this needs to be talked about. <laughs> so, and, and I had a similar feeling about the winner of last season. I can't remember her name. She's from New York. She ended up being one of the final judges. Right. I can't remember her name. I should know her name. I'm going to look it up because that's good podcast content is just Googling things. But we should be better about remembering finalists. I mean, to be fair, I didn't remember the finalists from this year either. So it's, it's, it's not a... Uh... Oh, Reese. I'm looking them up. <laughs> winner of blown away so deborah zazerko oh, i think that's right and then yeah i had a similar feeling about her last season where she was kind of really arrogant and like there's yeah. an ego to it and she was also kind of older and came from this generation where she had to be like she was the only person in in the fire pit so in the glory holes is there so so on tundra drippingly named um yeah. and then season two was elliot elliot yes elliot walker who i'm glad won like i of the i I was glad that they it was them two at the end yeah i thought it was a really good matchup yeah but it was tough too because yeah they had such different styles i was just like i don't know who should win because it was kind of comparing apples to oranges you know which i thought was was really cool and i was mad like i i was kind of uh uh saying that i really liked the cons like when we were we were watching the last episode and i was like i just can't see what cat's envisioning because the way she was describing it wasn't really it wasn't really clear to me and i really could understand what elliot's was and then when we saw it one of the judges was talking down about it i was like no you don't understand like uh, on cats it's like no you don't understand that central vessel is important because that's the observer it's a mirror like and so tina was was laughing at me because i was like you you," she was like you were just taught like not understanding it now you're defending (laughs) so i i would have been happy with either of them winning um and i think that it's such a great show i'm sorry i i've i've hijacked no no like i said this is why i wanted to talk about this (laughs) i think it's such a great actual visualization about the creative process is this show blowing glass is such a great metaphor for the creative process in anything because it's so fucking fragile and it's it's so it's painful (laughs) it's painful it's 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 tense and it's fragile and it can break and you can fail and it's really represented like i i watched it and i i felt better about myself like creatively and like it was inspiring because i was like this is a great metaphor for okay they broke something they have to go back in and and build the front and that's like a lot of competition shows i don't really think kind of hammer that home because it becomes really kind of gimmicky i love project runway but a lot of the stuff like and part of why I watch that show is the catharsis of like, you have to fucking just make this with only sequins and saran wrap. Good luck, motherfuckers. And then yeah. you got you've got uh, 
uh, Tim Gunn as just a great mentor, very sweet, very, very supportive and very honest. I really love him as like the center of that show. And that's why I liked the final cut, which was him and uh, Heidi's Amazon fashion designer show. I really liked that show too. But with this, it, it was it was just such a great metaphor for, okay, if you try and create this thing, it's glass, it's it's pristine, it's delicate, and it could shatter at a moment's notice. You just got to go back in the fire and do it again. Like, it's such a great analog for that. And it just made you, it made me feel like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go back in the fire. I'm going to write. I'm going to make music. I'm going to create because like, this is such a great example of that. And I mean, it's such an amorph, you're, you're literally blowing into glass. This, it, you turn lava into delicacy. I, it, it's, it's so ethereal and ephemeral and and metaphorical and it's great all of the alls that's what it is um yeah it it just was like and i fucking love that the the host guy looks like ben wyatt from yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think like midway through the season he got like really hype beastie like really eclectic uh fashion choices which i was enjoying and then after that they went muted brown color muted brown color muted <laughs> brown color. it's like we can't have you distracting from the art <laughs> right right so it, it's it's the best kind of of show like that i think because i think with like i i enjoy like cutthroat kitchen because it's all about sabotage and it's about about making something out of shit like I like those things and it's cathartic to watch. It's it's stressful, but it's also like, haha, it's a little schadenfreude. Whereas this show was just like, you want everybody to succeed, even though some of them are an asshole. Like that that's also like because they're they're dealing with such delicate materials. And you're excited to see because they they have to blow it into existence. <laughs> like it I I really enjoy it. And it, it's it's kind of a good counterpoint to bake off. Yeah or british bake everybody calls a great british bake-off but that's not what it's baking show is it called bake-off in britain because i feel like maybe everybody on the show that's fair yeah maybe that's where it comes from yeah and i I think that show is really i don't know if it's just a british sensibility but like on that but they have a huge like quiz show like uh, uh uh culture so it's all about like how much cleverer i am than you but like in in bake off they're very much like shit happens it's baking. The humidity could be wrong and you could fail. This is not an exact art. And I feel like blown away, you kind of, ha- it, it, they don't talk about it that way, but it is very much that way. It's like, sometimes it breaks. Sometimes you hit it too hard. Sometimes it just, so it, it, it's great with that. I think a lot of chef shows and a lot of those competitions, they don't give any thought to that. You know, like it, it, the whole point is we gave you shit. You need to make it shine. Like, Whereas in that, like, there's this this understanding of, like, you cannot make everything in your head under these constraints. I'm going to let you talk because I've, I've dominated <laughs> the conversation. Uh, yeah, no, and I, one of the things that I thought was, was great and it kind of, it frustrates me sometimes, but it is, I think it's a good representation, I think, of just art in general. Because you have this spectrum of, like, what the people like what their approach is, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and it's interesting because, you know, like I said, like a lot of them are apples and oranges because it's like you have one person who can, can take glass and, and my, 
my favorite kind of art, and this is sort of a, a, a realization that I've that I've had, and I, I sometimes wonder how much logic I've put behind it. Um, the reason why I like abstract art so much, and I can appreciate art that you know is supposed to look like something. My kind of take on it is that, like, yes, if you're going to do a photo, say you do a photorealistic painting, and it's like I can't tell that it's a painting. It's like that. That's good that you're that good of a painter. But what is that? What does that give to me as the viewer? You know, why don't I just look at a picture, a photograph, if it's going to look as if it's a photograph? So, so again, it's like I can acknowledge the skill that it takes and it's impressive. But what, what I go to art for is things that I can't already see in the world. You know, and, you know, so whether it be, you know, like, be like abstract or, you know, like, and that's one of the reasons I love Jackson Pollock so much. And, and you know, after, you know, we talked about this in, in the other podcast, you know, where, <laughs> where one of the lines is like, it's just paint on canvas or, or paint on surface. I forget exactly what the line is, but the idea that, you know, that not that other art is trying to lie to you, not that a, a painting of a duck is trying to make you think it's actually a duck, but you know, and, and I remember like there being like a joke in something and I started doing this to, to irritate people for a while, you know, like where you would look at a picture and say like, oh, you know, look at, yeah, look, look at that duck. It's like, that's not a duck. That's a picture of a duck, you know, and kind of, because I think sometimes we, we associate an image of something with the thing itself. And it's like, no, it's a different thing. And people got really irritated that I kept doing that, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, look at these mountains. Like, those aren't mountains. That's a picture of mountains, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, so the, the, the art that I tend to be drawn to is something that you can't do that with, you know, it's, it's just, it is what it is. It's not, and again, I don't think art is trying to lie to you, but, you know, at the very least, maybe mi misrepresent itself, you know, like to make you forget that it's paint on a canvas. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like I want to look at art because it is paint on a canvas, you know, like someone made these choices, someone put these, these shapes or these splatters or these swirls or these carpet tacks here. And, and, and that's what I want to appreciate is, you know, is the texture of the paint or, you know, where can you see the canvas through the paint because the paint has soaked into it versus where can you see the paint piled up and you can see the actual brush strokes in the paint as opposed to, or, or here's a, just a glob of paint. You know what I mean? Like that, that's what I, what I want to look at. Um, but again, that's also kind of like my, my preference. So to judge a show like that, where you have some people who are really good at making something out of glass that looks like something else, you know, and, and again, it's one of those things where I, I, I can acknowledge the, the, the skill that it takes to do that. Like, what was it from last, last season? I actually started following, um, <laughs> I forget his name too, the other guy who was on there as, a, as an extra judge one week hmm. who was in it last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember his name. Uh, yeah, but I, I started following him on Instagram. And I remember, like, they showed, I, I think it was from his, where he had, like, these clear glass balls that were supposed to look like clouds and like light and fluffy but then he also made a set of kettlebells out of glass and they looked like real kettlebells and it's right. so it's like so it's like that's impressive as fuck that you can do that but why would i rather look at this than actual kettlebells you know like it, you know it's 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 impressive as a as a skill and this ties through in a lot of other you know my views on music also i forget if we've talked about that before but you know the idea of like people who will will do a solo and 
it's like, yes, that's impressive that you can play very fast and very high and very loud. But like, what, what, what am I supposed to get out of that? You know, what am mm -hmm. I supposed to learn? What am I supposed to feel from that? Um, so, so again, not to try to like belittle the talent that it takes to be able to shape glass into something that looks like something else and that you would almost be fooled into thinking it's something else. I, I would rather see glass turned into something that I can't already see somewhere else. Um, so for me, that was kind of the thing with, with this year with the, at the very end, like with, um, you know, the guy who won. Yeah. Like his stuff was very clear. Like it was very clear that, wow, this is supposed to look like this, this blow up, you know, squeaky hammer and squeaky, you know, inflatable screwdriver, but it's not, it's solid and it's heavy and, you know, and it'll shatter, you know, and, um, and then the, the giant screws and nails that he built, like, it's like, all, yeah, all of that was very impressive, but, and I guess that's the thing is like, is your, is the goal of the show. And maybe that's part of it too. And maybe that's why, like, there's a, maybe a discrepancy as far as like, you know, who is quote unquote better. And maybe that's not what they're looking for. I don't know, but it was, but you know, it was, it was, it was really tough because it's like, yes, his, his final competition piece looked like the things it was supposed to look like but but hers was something that you you can't see that anywhere else you know that's except you know in your mind you know and you know i did find myself torn like i was okay with the fact that he won because it's like yeah his and, and it, it did have some metaphor to it which i appreciated you know but it was also just like but yeah but 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 with hers it's like i just i had never seen anything like that before you know sure. and and that kind of that kind of a thing, like I said, it, it, it appeals to me more because it's not like, you know, hey, you know, again, I think they even said that like this. I thought this was an inflatable hammer, you know, and it's like mm -hmm. almost like being, you know, keep being tricked into thinking it was something other than what uh, other than glass, you know, and it's like that's cool and that's clever. And that takes talent and you know, skill to be able to do that. But but for me, in terms of like someone observing art and appreciating art like i definitely was more blown away by well, blown away, <laughs> by you know this this thing that i've never seen before you know right um i think i mean that that's that's a constant difficulty is like how do you judge one piece of art next to another it's it's yeah. i mean there there's the the sensibility of the old master or the the new innovator right like but i mean you put rembrandt next to i don't know turner they're they're different eras they're different techniques they're trying to evoke different things i i mean they're deteriorating at different rates i, I mean and it's hard to be like and i think that's where it comes the, the difference comes between like critique of art right which is what these shows are really doing in a certain sense and enjoyment or enrichment out of art and i think the one has to do with i think they're both one is posturing as objective, but honestly, they're both subjective. It comes right. down to taste yeah. and preference. And I think I think something with Blown Away that I appreciate that they do, and I think this is something like good good competition shows, is they take their whole body of work as representative of how well they've done, how they've done in the different challenges. So they went back. I mean, I, I really liked Elliot's very first piece, which was that twisted spinal column and it was like littered with all these other things and it was very surreal and it was very cerebral and i think it was kind of at kind of the 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 story right of his work from that place to this really crystallized like metaphor for inadequacy 
right? Like trying to build this, this installation, never having done it before and feeling like your tools are inadequate was like, it was a great story of his artwork through those different moves. I think with Cat, I mean, we got, Cat had the, a great story just the whole way. The idea that she's going blind and her, her very self-reflective piece about the things in way, the way of her vision as, as it continues to deteriorate and the fact that she hadn't, I think she worked on like assembly lines that like she did gift sharp shop glass stuff like that she had never done this before and that's what i said to tina is like cat has the best story like if she wins that's that's the story and her stuff was really fascinating and really ethereal and i i think it i think it's i i liked the humor i think of elliot's last piece i think that that's something that usually wins me over is is humor Mm -hmm. um and i think it's a taste thing like i i look at art for surrealist imagery i'm always trying to replicate dreams in the way my brain associates things together that's that's kind of my end result and it's not something that is photorealistic often or if it is it's photorealistic with a twist it's a chair with human feet for feet (laughs) like it, it, it it's it's those kinds of things it's it's seeing a balloon tied to a um a light post and then out of the corner of your eye it looks like somebody peeking out behind it and then you realize it like those kind of like in in the periphery vision things is is kind of what i'm looking to get out of art and also to put into art so but i i mean one of the most photorealistic comic book artists is alex ross but he does it like there there's there's a luminousness to the way he does superman like i will never like look at his superman and think this is this is lesser because it's more photorealistic like i alex is just an incredible artist i don't like him on interiors as much i love him as a cover artist but that i mean that's different than well that's also comic books that are trying to represent something you know like like hyper real you know Yeah. yeah yeah and i think one of my favorite movements in in painting or sculpture or the plastic arts, I guess, is that, I don't know if that's the right word, but the idea that there's like this minimalist movement that with art on canvas, the purest form of the painting is a sculpture because there's not borders. <laughs> like when you're talking about minimalism or, or objects, you're trying to, to or objectivism in art. I, I think that's what it's called. I could be bungling this, but it's the idea that an object is not a sum of separate parts it is a thing it is an object without discernible parts so within the frame of a canvas nothing can fit that definition so i like shit like that that's like really really eclectic really up its own ass and it, it talks about like something about art objects is kind of a scale thing. If you're able to create an object that has no discernible parts and make it big, the impact of it and the forum for it is not such that it has to be displayed in a gallery and it doesn't have to be like, it's not contextually art. The way you're experiencing it is, it, it is happening upon it, encountering it and feeling kind of this looming existence of the thing so these are all like that's kind of weird 
art stuff my brain goes to and that's the kind of shit that i like is like the, these kind of really weird twists of what are because i mean if you say to somebody like the perfect form of paint on canvas is sculpture what the fuck does that mean it's it's so it's so out there and but that's i like art because it can do that kind of thing but i i have an appreciation for mimicry and i think that that's kind of what photorealism or this idea of uh the giant screws and i mean if you had made the art installation with screws and inflatable hammers i think i would still have gotten the humor and i still would have appreciated it for the artistic point it was making the metaphor it was establishing like i i think it's it's all the more impressive that he did it with these materials and i think that that's that's kind of where i give it away like if you're gonna make this shit with fire and glass i mean i'm gonna give you all the credit regardless of what you make if you make anything like um i mean we we talked down on chris but like his windshield cracked thing Mm -hmm. that was definitely like an object like pure and simple and it was gorgeous in the way like it it's not something that you would see in nature quite i i think that was a good representation of kind of both of our ideas of like this is not something you find in nature and it's twisted and it's only something that could come about as a result of the deliberate moves that he made but also the accidents that happened because it fused to the annihilator or annealer or whatever that is so he had to crack it out and it, it just what came out was just and that's another thing like spontaneity in art is something that i'm i'm fascinated by and and this idea of like art not being something exhibited that you can go and see it art might be something that happens once and if you were there then you witnessed it and but it, you can't get it back like that that kind of stuff and i think glass is a good it captures moments that way like the, the second before it breaks or the second like it's filled with air and it's encased in glass so it's like these i don't know I, i've talked in circles i was going to defend elliot's last piece but i think it's more that i like the humor of it I like them both. I would have been happy either way, just so long as Clarice didn't win. That, that right. was like... well, and, and that's the thing is like, I'm, I'm not criticizing, I guess, that Elliot won. It was more for me personally and no. why it was such a, a tough, like, I'm glad I didn't have to make that choice right. because it's like, they were both good in, in what they were. But I think, yeah, like personally, I would much rather spend more time with Kat's piece because it's like, you know, I could, I could see myself like losing myself in that piece as opposed to like, Oh yeah. You know, I, I get it. This is, this is cool. This is, this is clever. You know, like the clever guy, how's that working out for you? you, know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Um, like, I think with cat's piece, like, I was, I was un, unhappy with the way they framed it and the fact that they just walked up into it. Hmm. Like I really wanted them to look at it kind of from a specific focal point because it was so, evocative of the warshack idea it, right. it was so like like i didn't get yeah i didn't get that that's where she was going until you saw the piece as exactly. a whole it was like oh this is what she okay yeah. yeah yeah and i don't know if it's like it's hard with the the last ones because it's like when it's when when you're answering a brief it's like hey create this then you can say okay you didn't follow directions that's why chris should have left Right. He didn't follow directions. Right. That's how you judge. Like, I think the challenge aspect of the art is how you get away with saying one thing is better than another or one thing is, is less than what was asked. 
Yeah. I think like I hate that they were like, oh yeah, it's really hard to make colored pencils, so you you get a free pass. It's like fuck that. Like it's, it's also a- really hard to do what you're asked. Make him do that. <laughs> you know, like I think they kept him on because they knew like that he had lost his dad. Honestly, I that's very cynical of me. It wasn't that he was a bad artist or he had bad ideas, but he just was he it was that classic old man that you can't tell me what to do. I'm gonna do it my way. Yeah. Well, and even worse, an old man who is from New England, who has been teaching at, you know, the the best art school. I don't know if it's the country, the world, you know, I know it's like legit, but like, I feel like that was kind of what he was bringing to it. Well, I'm a teacher at RISD, so whatever I do is going to be amazing. And if they don't think so, they're stupid, you know, like, like so much of that was, and it's like, and that was the thing too, like. I appreciated like number one, like he had, I think because of that, he had a lot of skills that he knew how to use. Right. And he, and he brought that into it, but it was also sometimes like his ideas weren't that great. Like, or like, I feel like sometimes he, and I remember Kat said it too, like, Oh, an artist's going to art. And it's just like, that, that was so nice of her to say, but it's like, like she was an artist too. Like she was, you know, not as experienced as him. And, and I think maybe because she wasn't as arrogant, it probably made her a better artist because she had to push herself. Whereas with him, I feel like he had these ideas where it's like, this is going to be great, you know? I Like I the socks, lo- you know? Yeah. Where it's like, that's okay, I get that you're using your shoe to mold it, but it it doesn't make the idea any better. Right. You know, it, it became gimmicky at that point. Again, yeah. not high fashion. That was the, the fucking brief. Yeah. I also love that they got, uh, um, oh, what's his name? From oh, Career, Bobby. Career, Bobby, yeah. yeah. I also was, was kind of sad because the, the lighting is way different in Blown Away. So he kind of looked like the way his hair was and the angles that they shot him from. Like, he did not look as pretty as he is. Like, I was really <laughs> like, oh, they made him all frizzy and shit. Like, let's get him some decent lighting. <laughs> like, <laughs> but what I was going to say is, like, the, the second to last episode, the fire challenge, was where Kat just nailed it. Like, mm-hmm. right out, like, I fucking loved her approach and her idea of, like, they were kind of like, well, maybe this is a little literal, but I was like, she's using a basic technique, and it's it's a metaphor. Like, she's using these strings, this first thing that you get, like, it's the spark of inspiration. It's the fire that gets kindled in the artist as they discover this art. And it, it looked awesome it was such a cool metaphor and i i I just like in that one the deconstructed fire piece that chris designed was very much more it seemed more pretentious it was like i have all these skills i don't really have a real light like i i kind of liked the idea of deconstructed fire like i understood that concept but it seemed like the way he went about doing it was I have all of these skills. Let me showcase them in as quickly as possible, but not incorporate them anymore. We'll just put these over here and this over here and this over there. And this like, right. it wasn't a bad concept, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad ultimately that he was eliminated that round. Cause yeah. it was. Yeah. Cause like, and I feel like if that idea came out of nowhere and you did a piece with that, it's like, Oh, that's interesting. You know? Yeah. That they, but it's also like, I guess knowing that it's a competition show, and it's like, oh, it's deconstructed fire. It's like, well, no, it's not because the fire was never constructed to begin with. Mm-hmm. You started off with separate colors that you kept separate, right. you know. And it's like, it's like you basically just didn't finish, <laughs> you know, and then well, called it something else, yeah. you know. And and that's what happens on cooking challenge shows where 
whenever they have a, a problem where they can't can't get everything together, that's what they label it is this is a deconstruction. It's bullshit. Like yeah. I know this is cutthroat kitchen and that you had Cheetos instead of cheese, but this is not decon like cheese on the side of a, a chip is not a deconstructed nacho. Right. Like it's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like if I have to you know if I have to score a film and I just hand someone my keyboard and my laptop and be like, It's a deconstructed score. <laughs> like, you do it. You know, it's like, no, that's 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 not what the thing was. <laughs> yes. I want I want to watch that movie. <laughs> Just throw the sound of a keyboard being thrown down the stairs. <laughs> I mean, that's very uh, uh, Planet of the Apes, <laughs> like that that kind of off 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 to one side weird time signature drum pattern that's so alien. And I found a way to talk about Planet of the Apes <laughs> always. Yeah, I, I need to do a deep dive into that score at some point. Yeah. That would be cool. I love that movie. I'm mad that they only win sixty four grand in that show. Is that is that just me? Like it's a lot well, of money, but like it's also like and they have a residency, I guess. That's that's cool. Yeah. Like that's kind of the the pinnacle. But like interesting about this this season was they really kind of hammered home kind of the the destruction and the havoc that this art form racks on your body. Yeah like let's get these people some arthritis pills some like, right. like well, get... also what i want to know is who keeps their works at the end of it like do they get to take all their shit home or does the show keep it and be like no this is property of so-and-so you right. signed an agreement when you did this show that we get to keep all your shit that you make, you know so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case you know so i mean if if you get to keep your own work and being on the show is, is a way of having access to all of this shit for free. You know, this, this big ass, you know, um, that's one of the things I wonder is when they're doing their own stuff, like, you know, that's, that's going to be an expensive hobby to have, you know, to have all the glass, to be able to use the stuff. I mean, I assume you have to maybe pay for the time that you're using a shot, a hot shop or whatever they're called, (laughs) you know, to, to, to come back to this again. I like, I'm almost more upset that the people who win great British baking show, just get a cake stand. You know, it's like (laughs) the amount of practicing they must have to do at home. Like how many eggs and bags of flour and cartons of milk and chocolate they have to fucking buy every week to practice. (laughs) That's funny. I was I was saying the other day that I like that their their trophy is practical. They could actually use it. Mm. But that's right. Like it, though, yeah. <laughs> well, it's also like I think I'd do it and this is maybe just like my American sensibility, but I would do it to flex on them. I'd be like cutting the cake over the plate. It'd be like, "Oh yeah, I won that." <laughs> like, right, yeah. If you don't like this, <laughs> you ain't no Mary Berry motherfucker. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I think they they got a lot more money to do the show this time too, which I think like you could kind of tell the production ba- value. Like yeah. Netflix shows are always slick; they always have that kind of like sheen, that net, Netflix uh, filter of sheen. Whereas this one, like it was very much like you got a, m- a much deeper sense that they were like, okay, let's show everybody sweating for the first yeah. six episodes. Like this is, and I kind of they had the the contractual obligation episode where they were like here's somebody who does a, a sustainable uh, uh, operation. And then they were really fucking vague about how sustainable their hot shop was. I'm glad that they acknowledged it and that it's a very kind of detrimental, like it, it doesn't produce good things for the environment to do right. this work. Um, but it, it did seem because they, they only really focused on it very, very uh, peripherally. It, it did not 
seem like anybody was doing anything active to like work on that um yeah i it would be cool if they did like a blown away like installation where it would have the art pieces from previous seasons and like the matchups and stuff like that would be a cool way like if it belongs to the show to like showcase that work i was telling tina i thought it would be uh just kind of like upping it to 11 kind of in 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 a shitty american way whereas like if you lose a challenge they smash your fucking sculpture and instead get, of turning the light off it's just it's like like, yeah. like i that's that's my one note which would be i mean it'd be mean-spirited and it wouldn't really really celebrate the art and i I think they do a good job of celebrating the artistic act in it i think it's very good about that but just like the metal head in me is like burn it down like (laughs) just be so funny if like 16 ton weight comes down (laughs) you should you should watch lego masters yeah oh do they do they break them at the oh that's great not not if they lose but but you know in in a similar way to this where like you could be almost done something and Uh, you know a piece will just fucking fall off and shatter or um or i think it's the first challenge so it's not giving away too much but i think one of the in the first episode their challenge is to build something but then they're going to drop it or smash it or explode it and so you have to build that build it with that in mind and that's part of the build is what it looks like but also how good it looks when it shatters Uh, (laughs) that's cool that's cool this show is also really fucking tense like glass shattering is still such like a visceral reactive sound and it's like you can tell what it's about to happen too because they kind of they focus on one project a little too long Mm -hmm. and they see like they they put them in the glory hole like and there's no clearance around it like they show you the story and you know it's coming it's like fuck (laughs) it was we we watched the whole second season in one day and i was just like oh like jumpy and fucking anxious windows still in china they should do a, a a super cut where it's like every time something breaks and blown away it's this the glass shatter start to stone cold steve austin's theme song because that's the that's the only positive use of the glass breaking sound is stone cold's gonna come and whoop some ass lightning yyz yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good show. Like, I, I, I was really, and that's the thing. Like, it came out. And I was like, oh, I really want to watch that. And Tina fucking binged it like in the other room. <laughs> She's like, I'm not waiting for you. <laughs> and she, she, I, I had held out a while because I, I'm not big on competition. Like, the same way, like how you were with Bake Off. I was the same way with this, where I just and and with Bake Off. Like, it took me forever to watch them, and I love both those shows. Um. But she she ended up rewatching the whole first season with me to watch. And I was like, oh my god, this is amazing! She's like, I told you, I fucking told you. <laughs> and this time she she rewatched it a second time because she she couldn't. As soon as it dropped, she's like, um, I'm watching all yeah, of this. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those shows where like you can't. It's not a background show. You want to actively watch it because yeah. it's it's really skillfully and carefully made, and it's all visual. Like it, it's it's really good for that. And it, it's it has the advantage over Bake Off where it doesn't make me fucking starving watching it. <laughs> you have to have bread in the house when you watch Bake Off. You just yeah. do. that's why we eat it. We watch it while we're eating, so it's like okay. Yeah, you know. fair. <laughs> yeah, you need some like chocolate scones or so like something. Every time they say chocolate and oh, like 
I'm going to stop talking about that show because we're going to do an episode about it. It'll be a mega episode. <laughs> It'll just be the Bake Off special. <laughs> it, it was interesting too, because like one of the things that I enjoyed and you know, maybe this is how you felt about it too, is like I've seen other, not necessarily artistic competition shows, but you know, watching people do art. Like there was a, a documentary I saw about Andy Goldsworthy, I think is what his name is, or Goldsworthy, Goldsworthy where he like makes art like out in nature and it like made me want to go do that. Cause it's just like, yeah, like nature's just there. Like you don't have to buy paint and he would just like do all these different things with sort of what was found and make a sculpture out of it. And half the time the sculptures were, were temporary. Like he did one where he went out, he had to go out like before sunrise and he built this circle of ice and basically he would use kind of the heat of the sun to melt it enough so that when he stuck two pieces together, they would kind of refreeze and stick, but it had to be like, kind of like warm enough so that it would melt enough. So, you know, and then he, he did it in time and then the whole thing just fucking melted, you know? Um, but, but it was really cool because it's just like, well, yeah, like I could do something like that, like not as good as that or not, you know, I'm not going to get up before sunrise, <laughs> but like, you know, but the stuff he made, it's like, here are things out in nature. And he was kind of dealing with like the color of different things and um, using these like long thorns to like attach leaves together. I think he made like this snake out of leaves and then basically sent it down a river. And you just saw this like serpent going down the river and it would get stuck in stuff and the tail would kind of bunch up, but then the weight of it would pull it back out into the river again. Um, and it's like, yeah, I want to go do that. But like watching this show, it's like, I do not want to blow glass. Like I'm not at all interested in going through that process. Like, like, yeah, maybe creative in other ways wanted to want to go make things, but, but not like that. <laughs> like good I mean, on them. Like that's, that's fucking, that's miserable. <laughs> I've always thought it was cool. Cause I mean, I think eighth grade, we went, when we went to Washington DC as all eighth graders do for some reason, it must be in yeah. the constitution somewhere. Right. Um, we went to like either colonial Williamsburg or something like we stopped at this place where they'd been glass wrote blowing for 200 years. Like it, it been around since like the nation was formed and it was really cool. And it wasn't nearly the amount of stuff that they had. They had like a furnace, like a big fire, but they didn't have like the doors and they, they had like a blow thing, but it wasn't like they had the paddles or anything, but they shaped like, vases and little things we got something for my mom like a little little flower vase i have always thought it was like really cool and fascinating and then just to see it done is like i'm sweaty normally <laughs> and i burn myself cooking fucking pancakes so i i know like mm -hmm. i it would mess me up like be really cool though like i i i'd, I'd like to try it at some point back yeah. when we can when we can do things again <laughs> right yeah that's the other thing that was freaking me out about is like they're blowing in shit and then somebody like the the interns are blowing it in and then they pick it up yeah. and blow it in. I'm like, ah, COVID. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, with yeah. that amount of heat, I don't know if it just burns it out, but like that, that's the thinking that got us in a pandemic. Like, right. <laughs> let's disinfect <laughs> that and have a mask. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and I think a lot of, one of the things that, that bothers me, on a, an emotional level about the show too, is that it reminds me a little bit of when I used to work in the trombone factory, you know, it's, it's like a much different thing, but like, you know, there's just like all of these harmful things around there that you could totally like mutilate yourself with. And, um, 
And that was one of the things I think what, what first triggered that too, is like we had an annealing station, you know, where I think the purpose of it there was basically this giant blowtorch. And it was to, you know, the idea of like heating something up, I think made it more malleable. Mm-hmm. And then, but then there was a point where you would heat stuff up to make it more, I don't know, I forget, but like, you know, every time before you were going to manipulate the metal again, you had to, you had to heat it up again. So it would get soft again. And, right. you know, you'd have this, this giant blowtorch that you're just like, you know, getting metal, like sometimes red hot. It's just like, this is fucking terrifying. Like, you know, if I touch this right now, it'd probably melt my hand off, you know, um, but it'd be clean. clean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. But, but yeah, just like, you know, and, and how, how they were also like, there would be different stations for different things. Like, here's where you do this thing. Here's where you do that thing. So you'd have to go from one station to the next. And, and yeah, it was just like, you know, it, and granted, like if I was doing glass, I think it would be more fun because it's like, yeah, I'd be doing my own project and, you know, making something creative, but I think the industrial aspect of it and that is sort of assembly line ish aspect of it was just kind of like, huh, I'm having too many, too many flashbacks to like, you know, bending pipes and stuff like that. So it's just like, no, thank you. <laughs> See, I, I, I've always wanted to do the, the, the ghost pottery wheel thing. Like I've always wanted to yeah. make a throw a pot. I think it's called mm. like, I've always liked that like idea. Cause it's like you put it in the fire and you don't touch it. Right. <laughs> and then you put paint on it and you glaze it and you put it in and you you don't yeah. touch it like that mm-hmm. that's making something out of like a, 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 a earthborn material it, it, that's yeah. definitely more like what i think i'm capable of and also what i think i could like enjoy doing more like yeah but, and then you get like school. that you get that like playing with the mud grime like i don't know if that that would appeal to you but like for me like that like playing in the mud that kind of like caked in and then dried clay type feeling is is aesthetically pleasing to me yeah or well, tactically when i was in middle school i i think my art class and it's tough to remember because that's so long ago now but i think it was just like it was ceramics i think it was like the whole year uh-huh. we just did ceramics um and I think I got to work like with a pottery wheel and we did a lot of stuff. Like there was stuff that was like stationary. We would build stuff from like little balls or like snakes, um, things like that. And yeah, and, like you would, you know, you would glaze it and then they would put it in the kiln and yeah, you're right. Like we didn't do that part. The teacher did that part. Right. Um, but, but yeah, like I remember one time. Oh, nice. It was black and it, it had a little tongue and a little head, but his head kept falling off or drooping. Oh. Cause it wasn't like, it was a sad Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like, and I mean, I granted that was like years ago. So, I, but I feel like nowadays, I think I could do something like that. Like, it, it, I, I don't mind getting my hands dirty if it's like, okay, you're doing this thing mm-hmm. where your hands are going to get dirty, and you're just, it's, it's not the, it's not the act of having dirty hands. It's, uh, I remember here. So, so, so I'd sort of give you a contrast. Yeah, this is baby where, like, you know, I had OCD even as a child. I remember one time when I was a kid, not a young kid, maybe like. 10 ish or young teenager. Um, but we, we had a garage behind our house and it was, it was falling down. It was like, you could look at it. It was leaning. So my dad decided it was time to tear it down. And he, he knew a guy, I think who, you know, knew, you know, something you've got to do it right. So you don't get hurt. Like how do you kind of demolish something by hand? So he, I think a friend of his like knew how to do it correctly. So he just kind of hired him to come over, but my dad worked with him. And I remember they were up on the roof and they're like pulling up the shingles and like kind of ripping it out to like the studs. 
And I just remember like my mom came out with sandwiches for them because it was lunchtime and they just had like bits of old ass dirt and wood. And my dad just like grabbed the sandwich and just started eating it. And it was just like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) there's the origin right there. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Has nothing to do with Catholicism. That's just gross. That's New England gross. (laughs) Yeah. And so, so it's, yeah. So it's the type of thing where it's like, if I'm, if I'm doing, something like that where it's like okay yeah your hands are going to be dirty through this process it's like well whatever i think more or it'll bother me if it's like oh no i have an itch on my nose what do i do about this or like my glasses are falling down how do i fix my glasses you know but like as long as i don't have to like touch anything clean with my hands like that's fine i can be doing whatever and get my hands dirty as long as at some point i can clean them and wash them and you know and that's why like you know, I think uh, at one point, I think at one point, my, yeah, my dad wanted to show me like how to change my oil on my car. And like, you know, I had oil on my hands, which, you know, that shit doesn't come off easy. So that was definitely <laughs> one of those things where I was like, fuck this. Like, I can't just wash my hands with, and I think luckily we had like lava soap and that's how we eventually got it off. But it was like, what's this whole thing where my hands can get dirty and then I wash them and they're still dirty. Like, I think that's also a part that stuck with me is like, Oh, what germs that I don't see are stuck (laughs) on my skin after I wash my hands, you know? Mm. But anyway, but yeah, I think working with clay, like, and maybe that'd be a cool thing to do sometime again, when COVID's over as a therapeutic thing. Like I'm going to do this. Yeah. Playing in the dirt, you know, molding the earth in my hands, get my hands dirty and be like, whatever, I'm going to go wash them. And then it's fine. You know? Um, but yeah, I did, I did enjoy ceramics. I did enjoy the idea of like creating something three-dimensional, you know, getting to think of, you know, the ins and outs of it, not just, you know, kind of like we were saying earlier about the sculpture, not just putting paint on a canvas and it's this sort of two-dimensional bordered thing. It's like, you know, yeah, you're going to, you're going to make a bowl and it has to have a bottom and sides and it has to hold liquid and you have to Mm -hmm. seal up any holes. And, you know, that was, that was neat. And yeah, I, th- I feel like, you know, and it's, I don't know if it's, you know, the idea of connecting tactile, tactile with a three-dimensional object and understanding kind of how, how that works, you know, and um, yeah, that it has to, it has to be structurally sound in addition to like, oh, I made a painting, it can be whatever the hell it is, whatever, you know. Um, so yeah, I definitely like that. And, you know, maybe that's part of why I got into Lego too, because it's like, oh yeah, I could have put these pieces together. And I also had Lincoln logs when I was a kid. I don't know if you know what those are. Oh, I know what those are. Okay. I My grandma know. had them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but she like lost a bunch. By the time I was around to play with them, there was like very few. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, how's Abraham Lincoln going to live in this log cabin? <laughs> <laughs> but, He's too tall so, for this. <laughs> this is, it was more of a Lincoln log fence that it was a cabin lincoln log grave (laughs) you can lie down in this a coffin (laughs) but yeah i mean there's 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 definitely tons of of art that i that i like that is tactile that i you know that's that's hands-on and you're building something and you're you know dealing with the the physics of it um but yeah just not 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 glass yeah it's inspiring and it makes me want to create, yeah. but it also makes me like very wary of glass breaking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I also did years and years ago. I did a, a like made stained glass. Oh, um, shit. I forget who it was that was kind of showing me how to do this, but it was basically this whole thing where you like, you took the pieces and you had to like basically shape them into what you wanted to. 
and then you kind of covered them. I think it was with like like copper or some sort of metal because then you soldered the pieces together. Um, and you know, yeah. since the solder doesn't stick to glass, you had to put like mold. It was like foil that you had to mold around it, and that that was what was holding the glass. And then you'd solder the metal that was surrounding the different pieces of glass together to to make it stick together. Um, so that was really cool. That was also you know, I, I think that you know, finding out later that like, oh yeah, you're not supposed to breathe solder fumes. It was like, okay, <laughs> I guess that was also dangerous. But <laughs> much lower stakes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that seems like a good segue into something else that you shouldn't inhale the fumes of, Monty Python. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really have a plan for this. It's going to be very freeform and disassociative, much like Flying Circus. See, they're all links. It's all links. Yeah. Um, I'm obsessed with this troupe and basically everything they made. I, I'll just describe my origins with this and I'll throw it to you after 45 minutes of me rambling. Yeah, sure. <laughs> to like yet another Joel segment. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have some knowledge, not, not, some, not as much about the show, but I feel like I've seen a few episodes late night on TV, but that's a gotcha. show. So. Gotcha. So I, I mean, <sighs> One of my favorite high school teachers, I guess it was junior year, my English teacher, Mr. Brish. I guess we were talking about a theory and legends or something and ended up bringing Holy Grail, which is, I guess, every it's the gateway drug. Everybody's watched it. Um, and it was one of those things where, like, one of my friends who was on the football team and eventually got him to be on the lacrosse team with me, James, was, like, really into it. And he was very, like, he was very excited to get to watch it. And he thought it was really funny. As I, I never really, I thought Monty Python was a guy. Because oh, okay. I was like, my my granddad talked about like liking them and didn't really like. He liked the spam song, and the lumber or the lumberjack so song. I knew like these very like ethereal, like not anything specific. And I didn't really like my granddad, and so I was always like, ah, I don't really want to. And then I would <laughs> see like in whatever he likes must suck, so I don't want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then. I would see like I, I went to like media play back when media plays were a thing or borders books remember those old this is like 15 years ago not that bad um where they would had they had albums and like monty python's greatest hits like is this how is a comedy it's album a I, band? <laughs> I guess i didn't really associate like I, this is before i discovered like comedy records like steve martin's records and and like richard pryor and all and uh uh robin williams like back in the day like and this is before i was like listening to comedy that way or like so um so i watched holy grail and it was hilarious and i think i've talked about this is a film i've watched to death like i i it's no i can't watch it anymore like i need to let it sit because i was watching it so frequently it became like my Anytime I would go on a flight, remember flights? Remember that's what this <laughs> podcast is now. Let's reference things before COVID and things we want to do after COVID, before like every times. other <laughs> every other piece of media we're consuming right now. Um, but like I would watch it every time I flew, and it's such that like it's just on a rotor. Like I even have the the soundtrack, which is basically just all of the comedy bits in audio form. So I would fall asleep to it. Like this is the level of like this is one of the first obsessive like consumption things that i ever discovered and then i i was dating this girl who was mormon that's a different story and i we went out to dinner and she, she her parents were gluten-free like they had celiac or whatever it is 
thing is i can't remember what it's called mm-hmm. um so we drove way way out of town to go to this place that did like gluten-free pasta and they they ate it up like these are creatures of habit habit they, they these people were like we can eat here and not feel miserable we're gonna go there this was before like the the gluten-free boom um we came home and they asked me if i knew anything about monty python it's like yeah i saw holy grail and they kind of like anything else and, and they were like you need to watch we're going to show you the first couple episodes of flying circus and they had these dvds and you put in the DVDs and the very first, like the open, and these are very, con- these are conservative Mormons. Not, nice people, little passive aggressive, little, little, <laughs> we'll judge you. But like, we're nice people and they, they had this kind of air. But the first thing they show, it's like one of Gilliam's animations where it's the Bobby, like the, the British uh, uh, policeman. And he says, and now, now for something a little bit, it, interesting it wasn't now for something completely different i think you'll find this a little bit more interesting and he pulls apart his chest and tits come out and i am in high school this is like junior or senior year of high school i'm dating this mormon girl and their her parents are showing me this and not only did it have like the animation they all in sync said tits at the sign like it was like watching uh uh rocky horror like they, they had a call and response. They were very strange people, like really funny, but like really strange. So they put in the first two episodes of this show. I think it's Owl Stretching Time and and th- th- this show and my obsession with this troupe, Wither Canada, Sex and Violence were the number one and two of this this season. This is like my gateway into like British TV and humor and sketch comedy. And I'm watching... And it, I don't know if you've seen the intro where it's the, the the beggar guy who's like running towards the screen from all different directions. It's oh, it takes forever and it takes forever and it takes forever. And he says it's and Monty Python's oh, Flying Circus yeah. and da 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 da. The Liberty Bell th- song comes in. And you see all these animations. So I'm like reeling from this. Is like and it's it's slow and it it's weird and it it the timings and then the first thing it's like a guy sits down and a uh, 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 you hear a pig squeal and then there's a chalkboard and a guy crosses off a pig from the chalkboard like he's keeping score and they do that throughout the episode and it doesn't have any it, there's no links it doesn't make any sense it's not connected to anything and then he's talking about a uh, uh, it's Terry Jones and he's giving a, a British or no, no, uh, an Italian language lesson to a, 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 an audience of Italians who are talking to him in Italian. He doesn't understand it. So he's like trying to, I, and then it, I just kind of st- sat in stunned silence. I didn't, my brain didn't know what I was watching. And then I got to this point and this is to, to this day is my favorite sketch they get to the point where it's it's a bicycle race and John Cleese is playing the announcer and he's doing like John Cleese is really good at voiceover like he's great in all of these things but like he does the voice out over like a sports commentary and he's talking about all of these bicyclists but they're all renaissance painters and he's described like like they would be doing a race and it's not like you're not seeing 
them specifically i don't think well i guess it's a bike race going by and he's just like rapid fire like a horse race like being overtaken by this and this is picasso and it's rembrandt it's like just it's such so much rhythm and so much precise diction and it's so surreal and weird why why would painters be in a bike race it makes no sense and it it just it, it it forever broke my brain and like i think shortly there when i got access to itunes i bought all the seasons on my phone and i i've watched them and listened to them and then eventually i watched um and now for something completely different which was the the um the first kind of anthology movie that they made and then obviously holy grail and then life of brian which to this day is my favorite comedy movie of all time and then the meaning of life which is weird and gross and hilarious and then the live at the hollywood bowl and then i bought the albums on itunes and then i bought the albums on vinyl and then they did a six-part like seven-hour documentary on the development of the show and all the different movies and i bought that and i've watched the ignosium i'm just like obsessed with this show and and the humor that these guys put out and there's definitely there there's a lot that doesn't age well about the python series there's a there's yellow face and there's black face and i'm not going to defend those things at all because they're not funny in them it doesn't make any sense for them to be in there at all because they've had black actors and they had asian actors in certain things but for some reason they chose to do that i i i don't understand it um I'm not going to give them the it was a different time excuse because it's bullshit. It it's just offensive and and damaging. But I I'm not going to say but. That's just my statement about it. It's just a a hugely influential comedy series on my brain and it, it opened the doorway to like a bit of Fry and Laurie and Mr. Beam and Blackadder and Big Train and all of these kind of like Big Train was kind of the Nick Frost Simon Pegg uh, their first sketch comedy series oh. and it involved and i haven't gotten into more modern stuff but like in my head when i think sketch comedy that's not mad tv and not um snl and not in living color it's it's all back to python like it goes all the way back to that <sighs> so that's that's my money python origin story do you have one tim um, I, I feel like, yeah, like, I think there were times when I used to see some of the episodes on TV when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I think I remember the animations more than anything. Like, that <sighs> kind of really standing out to me. They're like, is this a cartoon? Is this for kids? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and then at some point, I watched Holy Grail, um, you know, because that's sort of, you know, again, that's sort of what they, they kind of present to you. And I remember that was the first time I was kind of introduced to the idea of, of British humor and mm-hmm. how, Oh yeah. And it's, and it's dry and, you know, some people don't like it. And, you know, if you don't get, you know, and then, um, and then I think it was after that, that I saw meaning of life. <laughs> and like, by then I kind of knew, you know, who they were. And I was just like, Oh, well, this is just fucking perfect. <laughs> and then, you know, found out later that I think, you know, and I don't know, you could probably speak more of this than I could, but like someone had told me like, Oh yeah, that was them sort of making fun of Americans and American humor. That's why it's so gross. And so, and I was just like, Oh, it makes perfect sense. And I love it. And that's fine. You know? And then they hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, it's like, I feel like they have kind of everything in there is just like 
over the top. It, yeah, it's not subtle at all. It's, you know, and, um, but, but, but I loved it. And, and I remember, I think there was a time, maybe it was like in high school where a friend of mine and I used to just, we would, we would watch it like pretty regularly. Um, and I remember we would quote it all the time and it was just like, that was kind of, yeah, that was that movie for us at that time. It was the one that, you know, was a part of our, of our dialogue, of our speech, just in general, you know, and, you know, to, you know, we get your liver then, or like, uh, it was one of the, one of the, um, one of the other ones, like, you know, Ooh, fishy, fishy. And it went, I did go like so much stuff. And that was the thing too. I feel like I, I had never seen another movie like that. And even though it wasn't sort of, I feel like their more traditional formula, it was probably still enough of them. Um, that it was still different enough, you know, even though it was supposed to be more American, but, but yeah, I loved it. I love, you know, and the, 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 I, I, you know, I even still use stuff today, like, you know, watching great British baking show where there's talk about stuff and, you know, like being thin, it's like, Oh, it's wafer thin. (laughs) (laughs) So like, you know, yeah, it'll still like come full circle back to that, you know, and just, yeah. And I, I remember thinking it was, it was brilliant. You know, it was like as crass as it was, I was I definitely like aware of the fact that it was all like on purpose. Like it wasn't just sort of like, uh, you know, we're going to make Dick and fart jokes because Dick's and farts are funny. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, we're going to like, there was still, it was still written well around all of those really gross, you know, and just the, like, you know, and again, that scene, like, however that over the top it is where it's like, you know, he's puking on the floor, floor. they bring in the cleaning lady, he just pukes on her back, like just better, like oblivious. Better yeah. get a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just he vomits on, on the fucking menu. And John Cleese is this very prim and proper French yeah, just, waiter, just wipes it off with his hand. <laughs> Oh, it's only a wafer thin, just a little one. <laughs> Born appetite. That's the thing, like what you were saying about it being like written well. Like when, when at the height of their popularity and when it started to get like internationally famous, um, American TV shows didn't know what to do. Like when they had them on talk shows, they wanted them to do like improv stuff. And they're like, you don't understand. We don't nothing that we do isn't written it's all written and they couldn't believe that because it's so weird and so kind of out of left field that the fact that none of that was improv is crazy to them so and i i don't know that i've ever heard that life or meaning of life was emulating american humor but it makes a lot of sense um it's definitely more kind of the structure of the show like that kind of collected series of sketches not around a central like narrative but more kind of loosely put together and like and it it, i I, i'm trying i'm hesitating to like quote things from the documentary because i've seen it so many times and a lot of those opinions have just like ingrained but like when when i think of the hierarchy of the films or any of the stuff that they've made life or uh meaning of life always comes kind of last but then you think about individual things in it, and it's it's the every sperm is sacred dance, song and dance number. I mean, fucking hilarious, and s- the production value is amazing. And there's 
there's a, a corpse that at one time, like ev God needs everybody's mine and mine. And then a corpse sits up out of its grave or out of the uh, hearse and go and mine. And it's just like, it's so it's like the great, like Oliver, like the, a big British product Oliver with an explanation point, <laughs> like right. the, the Oliver twist musical. It was like that level of production and kind of thumbing its nose at that. And it's talking about Catholicism, but it's also making a point about Protestantism is like those prim and proper people talking like, I, I can wear a condom if I want, I can wear a French tickler as I want, but they're not having sex, even though they can like, it, it's just like this great commentary and, and, the death coming to the party <laughs> salmon moose like it's clearly john cleese so tall like pointing mm -hmm. like how could we have all died at the same time <laughs> like and it, it's creosote scene the vomiting is gross it blows up it's gross like it's so visceral i'm trying to think of other things from it like oh the the fucking birth scene where <laughs> she's like what do i do nothing dear you're not qualified and they bring in the whole hospital staff and they have the the machine that goes bing it's like who are you i'm the father only people involved in here at least is it a girl or a boy it's a little early to be putting labels on it don't you think <laughs> like it, it just it nails so much and it's kind of it, it's it's really clever and really zany I love the crimson permanent assurance where it's the big the the uh, law firm building that becomes a pirate ship oh, and then yeah. tries to take over the film like it's so terry gilliam you can kind of see like the the um fisher king and and uh, uh time bandits influences kind of coming through there you can kind of see like the warring personalities of like terry jones becoming this director and demanding control of everything it's kind of like fighting the bigger film like it's a great commentary of the group as well like that that movie is really good it's such a weird, weird snapshot for you, like that to be the one you latch because nobody latches onto that one. Like that's not on that. That's that's so cool. That <laughs> and that's the thing. Like I, I came to that one. I think that's one of the last things I had watched, and I was like, oh, this is, this is strange. This feels like the show rather than a movie, which was was cool. Um, well, and one of the things I think that it reminded me of too that I kind of found that out that more people who are where more diehard fans like don't like that one as much or, or like others way better. It also reminded me of like with mall rats. Like I remember hearing that like Kevin Smith thinks that's like the worst thing he's ever done out of all <laughs> his other films. And that's my favorite of all his stuff because it's just, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's the one that just like I clicked with so much more than any of the others. And even like watching, I finally got to watch the extended and like opening the alternate opening that he originally wrote for it, which I'm like, this is terrible. Like it's, I'm glad they told you to fix this. This is, this is dumb. <laughs> like a comedy shouldn't be over two hours long. Like what the fuck were you thinking? You know? And like, yeah. So, so much Rats, like Lucas needs a, an editor. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so in that same sense, too, it's just like, am I not actually a Kevin Smith fan? Because the one that he made that he doesn't like is my favorite, you know? No, I mean, if you like Meaning of Life, you're definitely a Python fan. Like, that's that's definitely, like, perfect. I think the one time I ever tried to write, I, I was in, I was studying abroad in England, in Oxford, where half of Python came from. So I was I was in the motherland, and they had, somebody had advertised, like, a sketch comedy group. 
And I remember sending them a sketch I had written thinking like this grandiose idea is like, Oh, I can be in the next Python. And I, I know that they read it with more of like, they wanted it to be the mighty Boosh. They wanted to be kind of like big train, like these other, or, uh, I, I don't know. And that's the thing. I'm not familiar with the more modern ones. Cause I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't graduated to that. I just am so like embedded. And I, I think it's uh, a lot of my Anglo file nature comes from Python. It's like, that's, that's definitely the, the thing that like, also I like Victorian literature. That's a whole nother thing, but like, I just kept consuming these things. Like, Oh, they did it so much better over there. So I wrote this sketch and it was about a, uh, a drunk, church organist who was like trying to play um that he had the the hymns in front of him is like why do we have to play like he was drunk and belligerent and saying like why are we having to play this and he was going into these weird deviations and it was definitely like in the style of python and i never heard back from the sketch group about it so i was like in my head i'm like oh they wanted somebody who who'd seen modern british humor and wanted to, <laughs> to actually talk about shit that meant something rather than do these like cute little sketches um did you i guess we we could talk about grail since yeah i have seen it yeah and i think it was just yeah like it definitely it didn't stick with me as well and i know that there are a lot of great one-liners from it i don't know if it was just maybe that one was built up the hype was built up too much for me so by the time i saw it, it was like yeah no it's it's funny but it's not like the most brilliant thing I've ever seen, which is like a lot of times how it's sort of presented. Right. Um, and I, you know, and, and I mean, I, and, and I get it too. That's the thing, like all the jokes, like I get why they're funny. Some of them I feel like do go on kind of a little too long, um, which is just, you know, again, like more of a, a, a me thing, you know, I, that's what I like about meeting of life. It's kind of quick and dirty, you know, but, but yeah, so it was just, you know, and, and, and I almost feel like, I feel like this would be a better excuse if I was more, like used to the show, but I feel like sometimes I didn't have the attention span to watch all of it because it was like that one story. Maybe I did see meaning of life first then. Maybe that was like what kind of stuck in my head in terms of like being a collection of sketches. And then it's like, wait, this is just the same characters going on one journey throughout the whole movie. You mm -hmm. know, um, I, I did like the silliness of it. Like the whole, you know, the, the, the coconuts, you know, <laughs> like, and you know, all of that stuff. Um, you know, and I, I, I like, I did appreciate the, the idea of like a lot of the, the lines are so specific and that people would go to great pains to, to memorize the lines, to be able to deliver them properly. <laughs> but I think sometimes what, what would happen is, you know, someone would start delivering a line and you're like, Oh yeah, that. And it's like, Oh, okay. Wait, still no, going. you're going to do, going. you're going to do the it's whole scene. Okay. So I just, <laughs> I get the joke. I get what you're referencing. I've seen it. And now I just have to sit here and listen to you follow through saying all this. Okay. Got it. All right. Yep. You know, yes, yes. Three is the number that shall be, I got it. Yep. <laughs> I shall not stop at two unless it's to proceed directly to three. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I've seen that scene, you know? And of course, my favorite part of that scene is when the bunny attacks him. The guy's like, Jesus Christ, I warned you. <laughs> like, that, like, you know, the abrupt violence, like, you know, so again, like that was the stuff that I, that I actually found more funny was the, you know, the contrast of like, okay, I'm going to read this whole thing and this whole, you know, and again, like I, one of my friends, like had that entire, you know, the Holy Grail of Antioch or whatever it is 
had that whole thing memorized. And it's like, can we just get to the part where the bunny rips his throat out? Because that's the part I think is funny. That's the, like, those are definitely the things that get quoted. And it, it's like Python for such a long time is like this. Uh, it's like a gateway thing. Like people gatekeep with it. It's like, if you don't know these references and it's like, and that's like several generations ago, like it's been around since the seventies. So with my favorite part of that line is the fact that they have a book of armaments. That's the fucking funny part. I love the, and that's the thing. Python is a lot of rhythm jokes. And it's a lot of like extended, like speeches and the fact that they were all crafted and all written. And then they had to be delivered in front of a studio audience. That shit is funny to me, but like it, it's, I'm impressed and, and won over by the fact that it's a lot of memorization and it's good cadence to pick up and be able to continue. But yeah, quoting, quoting that whole thing is irritating. And I think that's something that happens with the Holy Grail, especially since everybody's seen it and seen it a lot. They, they have those touchstones things and everybody knows those. And then that's, it just kind of becomes the snake eating itself with self-reference. And that's, I think the funniest thing about that is that not only is there a Holy hand grenade, but there is a book of armaments in the Bible to tell you how to use it. That's fucking funny. And they never get to use it because the bunny just attacks and kills. And it's like, he's very reverent. There's a father, he comes down the hill and it's very reverent and it's very slow. And they're all listening. And it's, it's fucking Arthur who says, Jesus Christ. Like it's, it's a directly blasphemous reference right after all of this reverence. And then the whole, uh, the grail shaped beacon with all of the, the verbs oh, yeah. with all different names for vagina, which is great. And I like how the, the, the film stops at that point is like, at least ours was well written and it's not a bunch of pussy jokes. It's like, get on with it. Get on. Like, I like it when it breaks down though. Like, and that's the thing you watch it a million times. You try to look for things that are, aren't the, it's just a flesh wound thing. Like mm -hmm. it's funny but it's on every t-shirt. And I, I, I think one of the things that really holds up for me is the unladen swallow thing. I think it's just because they're taking, like it's so specific and it's so long. And it's so non sequitur and they're in these costumes. Like that's the other, it's, it's the first thing that happens and it, and it, it's a great like period piece, right? Like it, it, it's grimy and there's smoke and it looks authentic and it looks like, all like a Ben Hur, or like the, these kind of more gritty Hollywood. Well, not maybe that's not the right word, but like they were really trying for period accuracy. Mm -hmm. And then the first thing out of their mouth is about fucking swallows and coconuts. Like, and it, it's funny because it's also like, how did you get those coconuts? Like, but again, it, it's 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 quoted Ignazium, and I, I totally understand yeah. the fatigue. I think the other, yeah, the the whole like three questions thing also got extra ruined for me because yeah. they used to quote that in the mailroom. Oh, okay. And and that was sort of the thing with like one of the guys where he just he had like catchphrases that he would just repeat like on a loop, and it's like it's like this job feels like Groundhog Day as it is. Anyway, like, don't yeah. add to it by saying the same shit every day, you know. <laughs> like newman because um, the mail yeah. never stops <laughs> yeah. although it was funny though is mark used to kind of shake things up a little bit he would start answering him in spanish and be like what is your favorite color azul no verde <laughs> <laughs> i was like all right that's kind of clever like adding a new spin to it but it was also just like why, why are we doing this again <laughs>
worst fucking ending for a movie ever. Because they like I can't cops, remember what happens, but the yeah, I cops being just like, putting the hand over the. Oh, that's camera. right. <laughs> like yeah. they just. It's fucking ridiculous. I love the opening credits too, because it's like really reverent, and then it's like the captions, and then the the llamas, and the Mexican music, and the the uh, it's like Norse translated verbiage. Like I, oh, it's yeah. just really clever from the beginning. But it's like one of those things where it's you're like, what is happening? I've never, and that's the thing. I w- it's a movie I wish I could go back and see for the first time again, without any of the references, because mm-hmm. that that. It was really, I enjoyed it. It was really funny, but it's really hard to avoid like all of the references. Like I had n- heard quotes from it, never knowing what the source material was from. So, um, so you've never seen Life of Brian? No. And then, um, yeah, that keeps coming up at some point. Like I will have to see it because it's just like, you know, it's the one that I feel like I, I've heard people talk about that more than Meaning of Life. You know, oh, yeah. it's just like, oh yeah, I've never seen it. You know, just kind of like never never kind of got around to seeing it and i've heard yeah i've heard like a lot of people like oh that's my favorite and it's just like okay like maybe i would like it more than meaning of life or maybe if someone likes it better than meaning of life maybe because they didn't like meaning of life i won't like it as much as meaning of life because you know it has you know the things that or it doesn't have the things that i like about meaning of life so gotcha um, i think i'm not opposed to seeing it it's just never never gotten around to it yeah I think structurally, like it is, is a through line story, but I think the content is so much up your alley that you will enjoy it. Like I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, we will watch it. So you, you said you, you caught a couple of the episodes on TV. You said you would have remembered the animation more than any sketch. Do you, do you have any that you like, you remember? Not, I mean, I remember like more, I guess more the style than anything. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember, seeing that and being like oh yeah i remember this but i don't remember like what what was actually happening i just remember being confused because yeah it was it was animated so i was like well wait this must be for kids because things that are animated are cartoons for kids not not for adults must have been pre-simpsons because that was definitely (laughs) but yeah i just remember thinking it was really weird and almost like was it something? And, and I think I'm getting confused too because I think there aren't there some animations in Meaning of Life or I don't know that there are animations or Holy Grail maybe there are like in I, Holy Grail okay because it's the one where like he's one with a giant foot that steps on someone right yeah that's the that's in the uh, opening credits of okay the the show yeah so maybe yeah maybe the stuff I'm remembering is from actually from holy grail but i do remember like seeing some stuff on tv when i was a kid i don't remember what any of the actual scenes were gotcha okay (laughs) because i I feel like maybe like i asked my dad about it he was like oh yeah it's this weird show i was like oh okay (laughs) yeah this is definitely not a show i would watch with my dad i don't think he would it's not his his thing <laughs> it's probably around the same time as like Benny Hill. I remember seeing a few episodes of Benny Hill like late at night. Yeah, I guess they would have been contemporaries in terms of like on the air at the same time. I don't think I've seen much Benny Hill. I might have to research that. I tend to like old comedy. <laughs> that seems to be a thing. Um, well, in an effort to not just like spew exposition or poorly ex- executed exposition position of sketches to you so you, you wouldn't have seen the parrot sketch or um the lumberjack song i feel like i've heard people sing is it's like i'm a lumberjack and i'm okay yeah. or something i've mm-hmm. heard people saying that again it's like one of those things where it's like stop <laughs> yeah and, and and it's one of those things where 
like there are certain songs that I'll like know, like from from you know uh, like songwriter comedians that I know of, where it's like I think it's the it's the lyrics that are funny, and you could sing them to someone and be like, oh my god, like, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but it's like when I hear people singing a song that's from something that's referencing something, and it's just like, okay, but that that song isn't funny or, or at least right. what they're saying like maybe more of the sketches or but it's just like i'm a yeah like like i said all i know is i'm a lumberjack and i'm okay or something it's just like that's that's not funny so why has that been repeated to me so many times that i know what that is but yeah. nothing about what makes it funny <laughs> well that's the thing the whole construct is that that there's there's one guy with a girl and he's singing this song and then there's a chorus of lumberjacks and then he gen gradually comes around to revealing that he cross-dresses and it's a call and response so the lumberjack chorus goes to repeat what he says and then they reject it they're like, what the fuck are you talking about and they leave like the whole joke is is not the song it's the fact that the <laughs> the girl that he's with doesn't know that he cross-dresses and that the chorus doesn't approve like this is not what being a lumberjack's about like it's it has no it doesn't work when you just like and that's the thing they're expecting it to be like the secret code that like if right. you've seen the lumberjack song you know and the, uh, the spam song is like very much like self-referential and it's 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 a long gag it's like this huge exposition where they go into a shop and they're or like gonna have breakfast and it's funny because it starts because the two people at the table it's graham chapman playing the wife and eric idle and they float down from the ceiling so like from the beginning it's like weird and then they're just like they're talking about the whole whole menu has spam in every dish and then some of are just like spam six times and then baked beans it's all rhythm and then at the end fucking vikings come in and start singing spam like it's a war song like or a rowing song like it, it's 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 and that's the thing like to avoid doing that for all of my favorite sketches i, I think we we probably should move on from it because it, it's i i think because you like meaning of life and again that's such a cool entry point because it, it would prepare you for the show i think you would enjoy the show because it's it's more of the same it's more like that it does have those kind of rhythm bits i don't know if it's as punchy as uh that but what was cool about the anime and I'll, I'll just kind of talk about it structurally real quick but like the way the animation worked was kind of pasted over the edges so they would get to a sketch and instead of going like here's the drum roll punchline, mm -hmm. they'd give up on it so they like i'm not interested in completing this sketch anymore so then it, something would happen like a gunshot would go off or something would drop into frame and then it would be incorporated into terry gilliam's animation and it would go on this weird surrealist journey where cannons shoot out things and then like there's one where these like it's like a portrait of king louis louis the 13th or something and he's like a steam-powered airplane so like his head's open and like there's pipes and stuff and they like get it to run and then it moves like it, it's all kind of like weird bowelly like constructed pipes weird like stuff and that would get you to the next sketch it feels like 
you don't real you don't care about the fact that they gave up on the last one it doesn't feel lazy it feels deliberate because it spills into surreal land and then pops out the other side on at this this weird thing and there's there's a lot of great sketches where they're like making fun of the bbc and it's like a lot of it it's just like funny wordplay and stuff that i don't have any reference to because i'm not like british and i'm it's not the 70s so i don't know who the in vogue head of light entertainment which is what they called like the bbc uh tv head like i don't know who those people are but like them making fun of it is really funny to them so like it, it it's it's really weird that like what you end up latching onto are kind of like the word play how things work together and you're laughing with an understanding that those references aren't something you get but that they're funny but the way that it's all put together, like there's, it's a, a, a summarized Proust competition where they have 60 seconds to summarize Proust, which has, it, Proust is this, wrote this seven volume novel that is just the most eclectic, pretentious French translation. It's like, it's very dreamy and it's very all over the place and it's very literary. But the fact that you have 60 seconds to fucking summarize it is ridiculous. So one guy comes on and he asks him what his, uh, I'm doing the thing I said I wouldn't do. This is the last time I promise. Like he's like, describe your hobbies is like, uh, uh, canoeing, strangling animals and masturbating. And then he goes in and it doesn't work. And then another guy comes in and he, he keeps forgetting his place and he doesn't get there. And then there's like a bicycle choir, <laughs> like who are singing. Proust in his first book wrote about, wrote about, and it's like this choral thing and they never get any further. And it's like nobody in the, the host says, well, nobody encapsulated the tone of the masterwork. So I'm going to give the prize to the girl with the biggest tits. <laughs> and it's funny because it's like the opening sketch and then the credits rolled. So like they hadn't even done the intro yet, so they had to credit. So it looked like it was over, and then they went into another sketch. Like after the fact, like they were playing with the format. So it's like mm. end credits could come anywhere, the opening credits could come anywhere, and they had post credits stuff. So one of the 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 argument clinic is a big sketch that didn't. If you had stopped when the credits rolled, you never would have seen that sketch. Mm. So it, it it played with the formula really in a way I don't think I've seen anything do since and definitely nothing before had done it. So that that's the end of me <laughs> describing sketches for you. <laughs> Some of it reminds me a little bit of the state. So I wonder if they were kind of inspired by it more so than a sketch show like SNL, which is mm -hmm. a little more like, you know, tangible. Um, yeah. The state tended to be way more out there and random and, you know, take things in a completely different direction than you were expecting. Yeah, it'd be interesting. To see. Have you seen any of The State? No, I haven't. Um, yeah, I think I, I went back. It was on, like, either Netflix or Hulu, and I started rewatching it from the beginning. And some of the early stuff was really terrible. And because of my need to kind of, like, start at the beginning, I think I ended up giving up. But there were definitely, like, a, a handful of sketches that I remember from when they were on TV that I caught that were just like, this is, this is brilliant. But, yeah, it had that same kind of really... Yeah, like I said, really weird and random and like the thing, like one of my one of my friend's favorite sketches to talk about was like they showed so showed some person who's like sitting there and they're eating something and it looks like it was like blue foam. And they're like, Oh, that looks good. What's that? And he's like, Oh, it's Muppet. 
And they're like, oh, how do you get Muppet? And he's like, oh, let me show you. And he's like, boy, I really wish I knew the difference between near and far. And a Muppet comes up and, and like, he's like, good, now show me far. And as it goes away, like, they pull out a gun and shoot or something. You know, it's, it's like. That's great. I'm trying to think, like, in terms of sketch shows, SNL is very different. Like, it's a def- definitely a different, like, structure it, it's not it like they do weird stuff but they're very contained right like they never interact with each other i don't think there's a whole lot of kind of the sketch format at least in america seems very much like okay these are characters in the world of this sketch and we'll bring them back again and again and again i mean it's something like Chappelle show did because you you get silky johnston to come back he was like player haters ball and then he was in the haters uh uh he uh, he did time haters which was his deleted one and then i guess he or jen i can't remember the guy when they do wife swap oh I, yeah yeah and or the, he played the the white news broadcaster and then like i think he was also the delegate for the uh <laughs> in in the the racial draft who oh, played yeah. the guy for the white people <laughs> Colin Powell, <laughs> and, then it, and then it's most deaf coming up for the black de- delegation. <laughs> you, you can have uh, uh, Condoleezza Rice if we can have Eminem. <laughs> he's like, you got a goddamn. He's like, hold on there a minute. Like, so like, I think it's very strange format wise. I don't think anything since has emulated. I mean, obviously there have been sketch shows since that have been more. I don't know, influential, like more popularized, but I. I just in terms of like the show kind of eating itself and kind of influencing and bleeding over in different ways. I don't know that anything since I'm, I'm interested. I really want to watch the state now that Muppet bit is hilarious. Like, and that's, I think that's, that's kind of the problem with Monty Python. It's so old and things are so kind of non sequitur and weird. And if you, you take it out of the middle of the show, it doesn't really work in this. So, cause you were able to describe that sketch, like, that i think that kind of is how you you appeal to to a more massive audience now is because it's a simple idea it's easily communicated it's not strange and it's not like well it might be strange but it's not like i don't know off-putting <laughs> I, I guess that's the thing like things are less off-putting now <laughs> at least in sketch comedy everything else is very off-putting yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's go to ideas that don't go anywhere. And now for something completely different. Here's something we think you'll really like. <laughs> I don't know that I brought any, um, though I think me bringing Monty Python might have been an idea that didn't go anywhere. <laughs> well, we were able to discuss certain th- parts of it. That's always the the fear. I, <laughs> But I wasn't going to ask you to watch four seasons of fucking Monty Python before. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, and that's the thing is it's enough where I feel like most people at least have some exposure to at least part of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. and that's, I think that's part of it too is, like, yeah, like I, at some point I do want to watch Life of Brian, but I, I, I don't have the urge to like dive into it more and be like, I want to watch the whole show. Like what I've seen is enough to be like, I'm glad I, I've seen it. Like I would watch Meaning of Life again a few more times. You know, like, I don't, I don't feel like I need to see Holy Grail ever again. Like maybe once more, like if we were going to watch it together, knowing that you're a fan, you know, like, but yeah, I I would definitely not want to trigger someone else that I know being like, oh, Tim's seen Holy Grail again. I'm going to recite it all to him to show, you know, like (laughs) where it's kind of like, 
nope, this is this is why I hate these. <laughs> it's one where you like, no, I've never seen that. Yeah. Nah, I probably won't. <laughs> yeah, don't don't bother quoting it to me because I won't find it funny. <laughs> it was interesting, and I think I, I wonder too because I remember like when you know being like i said before being introduced to that i'd be like oh this is what british humor is like and i think that was maybe my gateway into the office because i remember watching right. the british office and being like oh yeah i've seen some british comedy and i get it that it's drier than what i'm used to but i can still appreciate it you know and being able to get into the british office i think because of that you know and, and get more of of the jokes because they're you know they're more subtle um you know, so I think that, you know, that, that it helped in that way. And, um, which was funny too, because I remember watching the American office at first and I hated it because I was just like, this is just such a ripoff of the original one, you know? Um, and it took till, you know, to finally going back and seeing seasons after season one where like, oh, okay, now they're doing their own thing. This isn't just a re you know, shot for shot remake of the original. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think I came to the British office way late. Because I remember watching NBC Office as it came out, so I, I watched the and the first like we took a break for a while, and the first season's rough, man. Like it it it's definitely where it kind of cemented cemented its cringe comedy area. So, but like you get to the Dundies, which is episode one of season two, like that show has an identity at that point. Like it it totally defines what it is and how it goes forward after that, at least until. Corral leaves and then it flounders. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and I think that was the thing too, is that like he was Michael Scott was definitely much worse in season one. And yeah, it was like you, you can see where yeah, they were trying to emulate David Brent a little too much and then said, No, like let's make him a little more lovable and you know, and I think it definitely worked. So watching the British office, I I don't know that I've gone back. I think I watched the first episode. It's like, oh, this is kind of cool because it's it's shot for so shot. It's very there's very little deviation from the from that one to the American one. But then it's like I just I like the characters so much less. Like I, I like Martin Freeman and Joy. I guess is it Joy? I can't remember the Pam analog's name. Um, it might be Joy. Yeah, uh, Dawn. Don, Don. It's another dish. Don Joy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Finch. So I remember just... he says at one point about someone getting up at the crack of dawn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and she's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I, I just, I found the British one so, like almost more cringy. Like it's because it's, it's slow and the way Gervais can play. I mean, he's not even acting in it. He's just like being awkward in it. Because he, yeah. he didn't have any form, like he wrote that show or was like in that show, not having any prior experience doing it. So it's like fuck, like he really carries it. Like when you get somebody in there who's just trying, that's what it looks like, and it's hard to watch. Yeah, so I, I think I appreciated it, but I, I don't think I've watched it again since it's been. I also not too happy with the way Gervais has turned out to be as a person, like just shitty and like problematic what is it with comedians i don't get it well i guess it's not it's just men just fucking men <laughs> like there's well, no and, and to be fair i feel like comedians on top of men they 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 think that they have this license well i'm a comedian i can say whatever i want because it's a joke you know and okay, like, i feel like you know that'll 
to, to piggyback on here's another idea that's going to go nowhere <laughs> i i don't know if you saw like Chappelle's latest thing he keeps calling them specials but they're like 14 minutes long through netflix oh no but he's I'm basically him. i'm done with him well that's the thing like i <laughs> he was talking about the fact that comedy central took his show from him right and then they sold it I to did netflix hear a little bit about that, yeah. right and netflix was going to put it up and then he had complained about it and he's like that's really fucked up it's my show i i put everything into that show and they made me miserable and i had to leave and now they're making money off of my name and he he netflix took it down and then he talked to his fans he's like please don't watch it don't let them benefit from this and they stopped watching it and it was so dramatic that comedy central called him and gave him his show back and now it's on netflix and he owns it again and it's just like it's this beautiful story and it's this redemption and it's this this and i just wish he understood how valuable we find his opinion and how much he speaks as an oracle for the black experience in america and how important his voice is that it's really hurtful and harmful when he makes transphobic jokes right that's that's why if we expected less of him if we didn't look to him as this voice of our generation of of really bringing to the forefront like racism and representation and having this show that like shattered all of these preconceived notions and and like he's an oracle he speaks truth and we listen because and he doesn't just speak comedy it's not like he's seinfeld who's not making any political statements and not not speaking as a voice of a generation I just wish he understood his place better. And that, that sounded bad, but like (laughs) the, what we, what we looked, we looked to him for guidance. We looked to him for knowledge. We looked for him to speak truth. And when you tell shitty transphobic, poorly constructed jokes that hurt more than they help, you're abusing that power and you're not, you're not understanding what, power you have that's what's so heartbreaking i i love Chappelle. i and i i he was again he's that oracle figure for me like i know they're just jokes but what he talks about is is truth and he he comes about it and he discusses things it's real shit and if it was all just dick and fart jokes i wouldn't be so disappointed i could just dismiss him and put him in a box you know but like i just wish he understood it I understand the idea that comedy is a playground where we should be able to push the envelope, but like you can make jokes that are well-constructed and thoughtful. That's your whole deal. You spend all this time representing the black experience accurately and in with a, a twist. So it's funny and palatable. Just, just use that effort over here a little bit. Like right. I, that that's, that's my biggest frustration with it. And it's like, I want it like I watched that thing talking about him getting it's important that he got his show back that he he wasn't screwed over by Comedy Central he he just was ground into the dirt over that show and he had to leave for his mental health and it's so difficult for African American men to talk about their mental health and do the things that they need to do to to feed, to to rehabilitate and stuff because there, there's no apparatus for that and he shouldn't have been punished for that and they shouldn't be making money off his fucking name so for him to get that back i i want to champion him i want i want 
to feel the redemption for him, but I can't because he 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 won't say I don't know shit about the trans experience. These jokes are harmful and I accept that. Like that's all yeah. he has to say. It's really disappointing. Well, it's like he he kind of like you know like you said like him him being this kind of oracle like you kind of i feel like we we put him on a pedestal because yeah it's like oh he's he's the you know this voice of a generation of you know he's he's sticking up for you know the these marginalized people and kind of giving them a voice and it's like well wait a minute maybe maybe not maybe he's just in it for himself and maybe he's just you know he's just, you know I'm rich bitch you know maybe it's just right. about getting paid to him you know and it's like and i feel like that's kind of what it does more so than just like okay i'm kind of ignorant about this thing yeah like you said if he had kind of realized and like apologized but it's like no it's like maybe he just doesn't care about other people you know and him kind of you know speaking you know for the the black community maybe he was just speaking for himself the whole time you know and it's like it, it, it just kind of makes you call that into question it's just like how can you not kind of see that you know and no one's trying to compare and say their struggles are the same as your struggles but 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 having struggles can't you at least acknowledge that there are other people who have struggles that are kind of the same you know and 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 yeah not be like okay well you know now that i've who was it there was a comedian that said something about maybe it was chris rock like being on sort of the low man on the totem pole and it was basically like for the longest time black people were the low man on the totem pole and then you know, whoever, and I don't want to get into which group it was at the time who was like, well, now you're low man. So now you're the ones who are going to get made fun of because, you know, we've moved up because you're, you know, everybody thinks you're worse than us now, you know? Right. And it's almost like, I wonder if he has that kind of mentality. It's like, Hey, I, I put in my time. I had to deal with a bunch of shit. Now it's your turn. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to sort of, you know, be the bigger man and be like, oh, now that there's, you know, another group coming up who's having their share of issues, be like, hey, I remember what it was like when I was being shitted on, so I'm not going to shit on someone else. It's just more like, oh, well, yeah, it's your turn now. You know, I we we put in our time. We kind of finally get a chance to kind of rise up a notch, you know, in the in this class system, and you're, you're bottom of the totem pole now, so you have to, you know, and it's like, and that, I mean, that's kind of what it, what it seems to me. That plus he's just getting older, and I feel like, you know, it's sad to say, but like, it just seems like so many people, once they get older, they're just like, I'm done learning new things and trying to understand other people. You know, it's like, I, you know, I, you know, they kind of have this snapshot of what the world is like from when they were at a certain age. And I, I keep trying to actively not let that happen to me, but maybe it is, and I'm not aware of it because, you know, maybe that's part of it is they just, they, they, they oh, I'm open-minded because I was speaking for black voices. And it's like, yeah, but when you sort of lock yourself off and then shut yourself down to kind of acknowledging other voices that may need speaking for, it's like you're 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 getting to the point where you're just as bad as everyone else who you were fighting against in the first place, you know. Right. And and yeah, and that, and that's the thing. Like you said, like all you would have to do is like apologize, like learn, acknowledge, and, I, and we can move on from this. Like, don't be like a stubborn old asshole, you know. Like, I don't understand the fucking line in the sand with comics. Like, I, I don't understand why they've taken this stance of, like, we can say whatever the fuck we want. No, you can't. Like, it, I mean, you've never been able to. And I think it's like comedy, stand-up comedy is now in in the public eye more than it ever has been, right? Like, ever, like and I understand, like, working through material, right? Like, you get your ass kicked up on stage because 
it's the writing's not there. That's all that's happening now, right? Like it is you're getting it from these 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 forums that you wouldn't have seen your shit before. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like you can write material that is clever and funny without being degrading and hateful and supporting stereotypical damaging rhetoric like that i just see it as lazy it's like i want to say what i want to say it's like no you i think you have the the freedom to fail in this art form but you're failing so if you have a joke that's not landing in, in the club every night then you don't use that joke. You rewrite right. it. You come at it from a different angle. That's all. You're getting feedback from a different forum than than normal. But like the the effect should be the same. It's like this is not playing well. Yeah. The whole like stand up is all reading the room, right? Like that. That's that's. I don't know. And I, there are glimpses of it in like I think at one point Chappelle was talking about the LGBTQ community wanting things to change too quickly and he was talking about like just just realize it takes a minute which i think is a valuable statement to say is like african americans in this country have been fighting for civil and this is a joke that chris tucker says we were fighting for civil rights gays want equal rights the audacity (laughs) like (laughs) that's funny it's constructed and it's well constructed and i think the the way that Chappelle was approached like that's a statement that's looking out for you. It's like, I know you want things to change right now, but it's that's not how things work in this country. I'm not saying that that's right. I'm just advising you as somebody who has been through this shit, you are, there's a lot more shit coming. That's the glimmer of like, why is that not your posture? I wish it wasn't so, it shouldn't be hard. Stand-up comedy is difficult enough. Just write better jokes. Yeah. Like, well, and it, it, it's, it's also like, and don't I mean, pretend part, that's the other thing with Chappelle. It's like, don't pretend that all of what you're saying is just to be funny. Cause right. that's not true. Right. You have always used your forum and your craft to talk back to authority, to tear down constructs of racism and stereotypes and stigmas. That is what you have used your comedy to do. So yeah. don't tell me that everything you say doesn't mean anything and it's right. just jokes. They're not. Like, that's why we keep buying what you're selling is because you're speaking truth to power. And that is important and it's vital and you can't... Well, not only that, if it's, yeah, if it's just jokes, then just write some new jokes. You know, why, why, why are you holding on to those jokes so so violently instead of being like oh okay yeah that was shitty okay i won't do any more trans jokes got it like i'll do something else like you know and and like i think it was on snl where he did something along those lines where he like made kind of a a joke where people like didn't laugh and he's like oh i thought this was a comedy show not a, a something meeting i forget what it was but it was that same sort of thing where it's just like you know if you if your joke doesn't get a laugh also don't be like oh my joke is funny you're just take you being you know being too sensitive or whatever it's like it's just not funny like you know like the yeah at the very least tastes have changed you know and, and that's you know i guess looking back like yeah like people 
there are still some people who find that stuff funny. And back in the day, probably more people found it funny, but it was also because, you know, I think, you know, we weren't aware of how, how tough people had it, you know, and that, you know, if you, if you are one of those people who the jokes are being made about, like it makes you feel shitty, you know, and the point of comedy is to make people laugh and be happy. So how can you make a joke that makes so many people feel shitty and be like, Oh, I'm doing my job. You know, I think he still can redeem himself, right? Like that's the thing. Like he's he didn't Cosby, he didn't fucking Louis right. C.K. Like right. obviously, but your words are important and they have power. Right. And if you use your platform to to damage people, right? Whether it was your intention or not, that doesn't matter. It it it's yeah. it's important. And, and, that's the, and that's the thing too. Like he's, I mean, to kind of bring things full small, not full circle in the recordings. We weren't recording this part, but like he's kind of going the way of DC where it's just like, how many more times are you going to ask me to trust you and then betray me? You know, like how many more specials is he going to have where it's like, well, I'll watch this one. Maybe he'll get the hint. Oh no, another shitty trans joke. Okay. Like what the fuck, you know? And, and that's kind of where I was last time. Like, I think, I think I watched a few of them with Krista and I think she was kind of done with him. And I was like willing to give him another shot. And I think then we watched like the SNL stuff and then like, yeah, like more stuff came out. It was like, okay, now, like, now I feel like embarrassed kind of because I was the one who said, no, give him another shot. And he's still Absolutely. fucking up. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of done. Like, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to vouch for him anymore. You know, like, I'm not going to be like, no, this time will be different. You know, cause now it's just like, okay, like I got her to watch one more thing, hoping he had learned his lesson and it was going to be better. And then it wasn't. And then it was like, okay, you're right. We're done. You know, like, yeah, it's, he's not that old is the other thing. Yeah. If Chris Rock can come out and do like Tambourine is fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like it's a great special and he he I mean he's always been edgy. I don't know if that's really fair. I think that might be a racist interpretation of his comedy cuz he just talked about race. Like I that's edgy. I mean but he's always talked about politics and he's talked about the black experience and he, like he can make I don't know, like that joke about civil rights versus equal rights is really funny and really well constructed. And it doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't talk about shit he doesn't understand. And he doesn't attempt or try to, I don't know, claim that he knows more than he does. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just really disappointing. And I, I don't want, I don't want to be done with Chappelle. And I think that's, the, it's becoming more and more frustrating. And I mean, it's just tough shit. Like if people are shitty, then they shouldn't benefit from the almighty dollar. Like, I mean, I'm done with JK Rowling for the same kind of sentiments, but like, she doesn't hide, like she's not hiding behind the veneer of like, I'm just making jokes. You can't see me like John Cena. Like she's just, those are her straight up opinions. And that's fucked. Like I'm done. Like I'll read the books. I have the movies already, but she's not getting another dime from me. Like I'm, I'm done. Yeah. It's Chappelle saying these things within the context of, I don't know. I, I hate that am- anonymity. That that faux anonymity is like I said it, it on a in on stage. I don't really believe it. Well, you wrote it. Yeah. You, and that's the thing. When before you got to this special, you told that joke over and over and over, and you might have gotten laughs, but like you should know if you're getting feedback the way he talks about in his act about that stuff. Like you should take that shit from to heart. I I I would hope that you have that flexibility. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. that went nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about enough of that. 
And here's Tim with the final word. Pizza. Atta boy. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>